So what all of this means, I think, will make sense if we start with the foundation of my arguments with reminding you about Abraxas, a topic we discussed in the BT Study Guide's Damien episode and the TXT Universe episodes. Abraxas is a bird that needs to break out of his first world, the egg, to enter a second world that he can define for himself. And it's a metaphor for both moving out of one realm in the story, your parents' world, into a bigger world where you make more of your independent choices, you develop your autonomy, but it's not the clean break you would expect. So you enter that new world, but you do take inherently some of the socialization impacts into your second world. The message here is that life exists in these gray areas. There are so many conflicting emotions and experiences and reactions people have that cannot be fully explained accurately, even with language. Language is so limiting when it comes to our experiences, assuming that it's this or that. But as RM said in his monologue, my life isn't necessarily this or that, my scene is not this or that. It has some things that feel like they were fate, but a lot of things, a lot of factors played into everything. So in everyone's life story, there are so many nuances and complexities that deserve attention. On the reality show, and hyphen was formed on island. It started out with that quote about the bird fighting its way out of the egg, needing to move out of the first world to enter his own new second world. And so that set the stage, that set the theme for both the whole reality show season and what the final group and hyphen's message would be about, which is, given the hyphen symbolism, it makes sense, bridging those divides, seeing the connections between concepts that seem separate and binary. This complex mix of experiences that are both giving and taking, or show signs of morality or immorality. There's not a clear-cut split between these different concepts we like to view as so distinct. So in Damien, the main character Sinclair learns he cannot fully disentangle influences on his past with influences on his future, he needs to find a way to take bits of both parts of his life and learn to use them to carve a path and actively carve that path to a bright future. So that acknowledgement that there is not this clear 100% split between the good and evil realms is playing out in Enhyphen's world as well and is underlying their whole concept as a group. This is why the main characters in all of the literature references we're talking about today are not very likable, are very complex. Even the ones that seem like they'd be relatively more likable have their downsides. There's no entirely wonderful, admirable, likable way to show off your wealth, for example. And is there a way to totally disentangle your social status from who loves you and their love for you and how you define your worth? Those are the complex questions Gatsby provokes. As for Hamlet, everything's about that gray area, that unknowing, that uncertainty. How much is the crime Hamlet is investigating and avenging being told accurately to him? How reliable or unreliable is a narrator? How much is he mentally unwell versus truly just acting, putting on an act? That complex interplay of human experiences and conditions drives Hamlet, as well as 
serves as an interesting framework for looking at Polonius, a character and hyphen confirmed they allude to in their work, who is a complex character because he seems like comic relief, but he's also a concerned father character, but he also has a lot of flaws. He lacks self-awareness and is not the brightest. So even characters that you might think this one is actually more likable than all the other characters who are super annoying. Not quite. Something Wicked This Way Comes, a book I discussed at length on the TXT episode of the show, has this big carnival metaphor that we will dive into soon that really gets at this as well. What does it mean to grow old versus stay young? What do those not-so-binary concepts entail? Fun fact, Something Wicked This Way Comes gets its title from a Shakespeare play Macbeth, which has the famous line, By the clicking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. Anyway, in N. Hyphen's work, there are a lot of quotes about mixed, not-so-cut-and-dry concepts happening that don't seem like they could coexist, but they do. Like, we keep our fists fiercely clenched, not knowing it to be a blessing or a curse, Days like a flipped carnival where up is down and down is up, and life is mixed with death. We beat on the door of the flipped world brought here by fate. And lastly, whether the harvest feast of light or a festival of blood, time harmonizes laughs and screams, which are going to be discussed mixed together in ways that I think make sense. So the first category of themes has to do with the intrinsically linked concepts of wealth, power, and royalty. The social and economic conditions in America were at a really interesting turning point. The stock market was soaring, and there was this rise of excessive spending, and a very you-only-live-once mentality. It was basically a time of reassessment about American values, and some chose to value things like materialism more at that time. This was mixed with the 18th Amendment's passage in 1919, which banned the sale of alcohol. Eventually, of course, that was no longer a thing, but at the time it led to a really big bootlegging scene, like Gatsby got involved in, that was an easy entry point for all social classes to get rich quick. A core critique the author makes through this story is wave of materialism and how he views it as reshaping the American dream, referring to actually feasible and admirable goals about joining a melting pot society in contributing to a greater community. But he views consumerism's rise with the rise of endless greed. Suddenly, you could never have too much money, and you always want the next new thing. And this materialism led to more individualism than the sense of elitism, like you're better than other people if you have certain goods and a certain level of money. The author views the 20s as a moment the American dream became so much less attainable, so much more exclusive in terms of who could access it, and so much more individualistic to the detriment of society's depth. He viewed people as growing more shallow, which is what we see in every Gatsby character. And we see how Gatsby's wealth doesn't actually help him. In the end, he is a poser. We find out that he actually lied about his past, he was the son of poor farmers, and he did make his money through bootlegging. Similarly, Nick views his cousin Daisy and her husband Tom as a really careless, wealthy couple. He even says in the book something along the lines of, which happens, they do just kind of ditch town. They didn't even attend Gatsby's funeral, they just up and left town. 
They smash things and make other people clean up the messes, even though Daisy may have been a murder suspect. It's a carelessness about other people that defines the tragedy of The Great Gatsby. Then there's the class element where Tom was having the affair with Myrtle, a poor woman who lived in the Valley of Ashes, so he might have felt ashamed by the affair partly due to class status. And so whether all these relationships were truly fully loveless or not, again, is not so cut and dry. Maybe they had some love there, but you can't deny the impact of class as well. A similar callousness towards other people and this blinding quest for power and attention drives the action of Hamlet from the very beginning because this all started because a ghost visited Hamlet who became a ghost and died after being killed by someone who wanted to take his throne and his wife. It was a power struggle that was the death of him. Throughout that story is compared to a body of sorts. When the royal family is in disarray and they're sick and they're described as unwell, the whole state of the country is viewed as ill. When the royal family is thriving, the country is also assumed to be thriving. So in the end, when the entire royal family is lying on the floor dead, this prince from Norway shows up, feels bad for them, but still feels fine eventually with taking over the kingdom because the death of the family was viewed as intrinsically linked to the death of the country, so this guy from a different country was fine taking over. Then there's Shakespeare's Sonnet 11, where he did also talk about fearing not having your legacy passed down. And then in N. Hyphen's work, there are so many references to wealth, power, and money in the royal wardrobe, in palace settings, the Gatsby-esque elaborate party scene, and hyphen lyrics and monologue quotes include, why do we desire what we cannot acquire? Passions and pleasures in selling ours. The voice rings out again, come inside the castle, take everything. Then in the B-side not for sale, they talk all about reevaluating how mutually beneficial and proportionate the concepts of giving and taking are and have to be. They're redefining seemingly polar opposite concepts like giving and taking and reevaluating how those actions affect one another and what affects them. As I've already detailed in this episode, there are a lot of references to and visuals, including blood in N hyphen's videos, bloody handprints, blood seeping through the walls, the word fate written in blood on the wall, it literally raining blood, and that scene with the raining blood where he falls backwards into it and is just lying there the next day reminded me of the ending scene of Hamlet in a way. And all this blood represents both the lineage, like your family blood passing down that royalty and power, but it could also have to do with how much they question mortality. Which brings me to category two of big themes. The passage of time, frustrations with decision-making, clinging to the past, and fearing the future. Gatsby is, of course, very stuck in the past. He wants to recreate his romance with Daisy, and anytime he thinks about a future without her, he doesn't know how to handle that. It looks ugly to him. And this is symbolized by whenever he looks out at this green lighthouse, Nick compares that green light in the story to the American dream, how it always feels a bit out of reach. And the story ends with Nick saying, quote, So we beat on, boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. The antagonist of the story is time itself, as it is in Sonnet 11, where he's worried about losing his impact. Hamlet is a plot driven by the uncertainty of what happened in the past, 
and so what consequences should happen in the future to avenge whatever happened in the past leads to psychological turmoil in that uncertainty for Hamlet. This quote from Damien really reminds me of Sonnet 11. Quote, if the human race were to vanish from the face of the earth, save for one halfway talented child that had received no education, this child would rediscover the entire course of evolution. It would be capable of producing everything once more, unquote. Also super relevant here from Damien, quote, Very many are caught forever in this impasse, and for the rest of their lives, cling painfully to an irrevocable past, the dream of the lost paradise which is the worst and most ruthless of dreams. Remember, a lost paradise is also a reference in Intro the Invitation. One more quote. In each individual, the spirit has become flesh. In each man, the creation suffers. Within each one, a redeemer. So two things there. One is the reference to flesh as and hyphen references their fleshly selves, the blood, and other references to human existence. And then there's the acknowledgement that within each person lies the chance for redemption, that people have those layers within them. And hyphen references immortality of vampire status a lot, from overtly referencing having fangs, to saying things like, there's no dying then, so we gladly swallow time like it's our last breath, they say we wait for our given days in sleep, which to me brought to mind vampires and how they don't have to sleep and they just come out when they feel like it. Obviously, lots of references to blood. Lastly, Let Me In is the video where we see green lasers. Remember that green light in Gatsby that represents unattainable goals regarding wealth and prosperity? Something to keep in mind. Then we have the carnival, a very layered symbol with different meanings to each member of an hyphen, even. First, a quick recap, but a further recap is in the TXT episode of the show. Something Wicked focuses on this symbol a lot, because the story centers around the carnival, and how the carousel there allows them to age backwards or forwards. Aside from a carnival, other symbols that seem to connect Something Wicked with an hyphen's work include a mirror in Something Wicked's case, a maze of mirrors, but remember the full-length mirror on the ground in the unhyphened video, as well as the constant references to their reflection, and smoke, and black smoke is what nearly caught the members as they tried to escape it. An interesting caveat of the carousel changing your age in Something Wicked is that it, the carousel only changes your physical age, so you have the body of an old person or a young kid again. Internally and mentally, you're the same no matter what. So even with what essentially appears to be a time machine, you can't fully return to the past, it's gone. That's the lesson there, and that carries over into N-Hyphen's work as they try to carve a new path forward actively for their futures. A carnival has some interesting different definitions to different N-Hyphen members, but they all ultimately agree it symbolizes this whirlwind of experiences and feelings. Life isn't super exciting or super distressing. It's always not as black and white as we make it out to be. Jay said a carnival makes him think of, quote, a dizzying and disorienting festival. Seems to fit our situation where everything is new to us. Jake viewed a carnival as, quote, you can disguise your true identity behind a mask and genuinely enjoy yourself. And Sunhoon said, quote, a carnival makes me imagine myself among a big crowd enjoying a festival where everything seems upside down. 
as I passed the border and experienced a whole new world as a professional artist. I felt like I was watching a magnificent carnival, being carried away by the festive atmosphere, unquote. Moving on to big category three, what is your experience and how do you define it? Truth, perspective, how seeing is believing, how perception shapes reality, ultimately meaning-making, and how do we define our situations when words often fail us because they're not that clear-cut of an experience. In Gatsby, it's a constant struggle to define who is authentic or who is just keeping up appearances. And how do you define a well-rounded, interesting person when wealth seems to drive everything? And what is Gatsby's identity? and he's trying to rewrite his own origin story. He's also in love with a daisy who doesn't exist. He's actually in love with a misperception of her from the past. She's not the same daisy these days. Hamlet actually references acting several times throughout the play. He talks about putting on an antic disposition. He also says that acting is needed to, quote, catch the conscience of the king. Catching the conscience of the king meaning killing the guy who stole the throne, requires performative judgment versus real judgment. How much is Hamlet stalling because he has a conscience over this? Or how much is he stalling because he doesn't even know who the crook is? It's hard to know his true mental state and how to define that. The fact that people are not who they seem to be on the surface. The skewing of definitions, the different ways people define the exact same person or thing, is also addressed in Sonnet 148. When he's questioning why no one else seems to think this woman is super beautiful and wonderful, why does he attach those terms to her and no one else does? A lot of N hyphen lyrics similarly question what's going on. Like, what days may come as the sun must rise again? A light that blinds and deceives. When we wake, what vision awaits? Mixed up is a b-side that explores complex feelings surrounding fame and how to figure out who you really are as a person. Is fame changing you, and how would you define those changes? Then there's, quote, thousands of doubts behind me, tens of thousands of distrust behind me, drive through the question for life, everything's been turned upside down, my reflection in the mirror is unfamiliar, pitiful truth behind the mask, but I never escape. They also directly draw from a line from Polonius and Hamlet in their outro across the line, when they say, quote, this above all, to thine own self be true, and it must follow as the night the day, thou canst not then be false to any man. Be true to yourself, and you won't be false to anyone else. Really interesting quote to sit with and think about. You could similarly add this meaning-making social construction of definitions to, you could easily apply that to the Damien main characters as well, and how they perceive each other in the world. Last category is love. What love is all about and what it should or should not be about is a concept that is visited at length throughout all of these pieces of literature and N. Hyphen's work. In The Great Gatsby, of course, we see the shallow side of love, relationship forming that is out of convenience or greed, inauthenticity. Nick actually says at one point that he started dating that wealthy woman Jordan, quote, not love, but, quote, a sort of tender curiosity, unquote. Like, how do they live? Sonnet 148 is all about the power of love over one person's mind and train of thought. Hamlet also questions the authenticity of some 
feelings of love because he even tells Ophelia at one point, I was just saying I was in love with you for a cover-up. People just sold him that line and you're mad with love, that's why you're acting so strange. And did he buy that hook, line, and sinker? Or did any part of him truly love her? That is left to the readers to decide. But that hold that love has over you, how it shapes how you define everything else we've talked about, wealth, power, status, etc., is further talked about by an hyphen. For example, there are lyrics about giving you the love, but at a deeper level we have rose symbolism in their monologue videos as well. And this brought to mind for me how in Gatsby, Nick describes Gatsby's eye-opening moment when he realizes that he's chasing something he will never get. It's just a dream. He describes that moment as, quote, he found what a grotesque thing a rose is, and how raw the sunlight was upon the scarcely created grass, unquote. Think about that. Gatsby figured out, when he opened his eyes to what the world is really like, how grotesque the rose seemed, because it wasn't what he had in mind. I'm reminded of this quote from Damien that is really major. Quote, Love must not entreat or demand. Love must have the strength to become certain within itself. Then it ceases merely to be attracted and begins to attract, unquote. Basically saying that true love is defined not by external circumstances you are projecting, not by these socially constructed projections and assumptions about what you think it should look like, but about seeing things clearly for what they really are. And because the members have failed to do that so far, their judgment in so many other ways is still unclear as well. There are many more connections between these sources I could talk about. Symbols connecting these stories like references to the moon and mirrors, ghosts like in Hamlet and how N-War, those plastic sheets over their head, references to the sea and bodies of water. In Hamlet, actually, his mom claims that he's, quote, mad as the sea and wind when they contend which is mightier, unquote. Then, of course, Nick and the Great Gatsby made the he beat on boats against the current reference. And in N-Hyphen's monologue for Outro the Wormhole, they reference a riptide. That wraps up today's lecture. I hope I did what I always try to do in this show, which is foster curiosity and encourage you to rethink about and truly see immense value and interest in all sorts of forms of art and expression. Books and music videos, all of this content teaches us so much about the world and can reframe how we see the world. So I hope those connections helped you greater appreciate the immense depth of N-Hyphen's storytelling. Thank you all for listening as always. I will talk to you all again very soon.